0: Welcome to the TOCA Backstage Podcast. Join TOCA's Executive Director Chris Wolf in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events.
1: Hi, this is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation. It was my extreme pleasure to speak with Brenda Way, the Artistic Director and founder of ODC Dance in San Francisco. Brenda is an amazing talent, has choreographed over 85 pieces, multi-award winning choreographer and uh, pretty much an expert on art form of dance. Take a listen, no matter what you think of dance, whether you go to it to theater or watch it or just do it socially, um, she has a lot to say about the, the art form and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. So take a listen to my conversation with Brenda Way. And we're back with Toka backstage. I am honored to have Brenda Way, the uh, I guess she's the founder of ODC Dance. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I actually personally had the the opportunity to present you guys a million years ago, when I was in the city of Brea in a small 199. Oh, I city
0: remember that well.
1: It was it was, it was an a amazing. Small house. Yeah, nice. it, was, it was truly amazing because it was like the dancers were right there with you and it was just, um, you guys were so gracious to, to fit me into your schedule. Um, now from, for somebody who, as I like to say, I appreciate dance, but I don't always understand it. What would you say is the easiest way for people who may be in my boat to, to sort of go into dance? to try to grasp it better?
0: You know, I think um, sometimes I say to people, it's a little bit like going to a foreign country. You don't quite know what you're seeing, but you enjoy the things that you didn't expect. Uh, the funny architecture, why do they have those pointy roofs? Um, and you don't really expect yourself to have an answer to that, but you do enjoy noticing it. Um, and I think that's I think that's a good way to go in as, as an explorer. But but I will say, I think right now, things are really changing. And I think dance is becoming a language that people are using. Uh, I see so many TikToks, um, Instagrams, uh, Zoom dance. I mean, everybody is dancing. I think they're feeling um, their bodies are isolated and they don't want them to be. They want to express, they want to touch, they want to grab on. So I, I think we may be talking about a new era. In terms of how people approach the dance form,
1: but that would be lovely. I'm I'm wondering too if you think maybe some of the television shows had anything to do with that.
0: Well, I think they do too. But I think the actual need to uh, physicalize something is being felt in a, such a profound way now that maybe never has in our lifetimes.
1: And what would you say to people who are like, well, I like to dance you know, I like to go out social dancing, I like the ballroom or whatever, but why would I want to go watch them?
0: Well, I guess you might say you like to play basketball, but why do you watch the game? Um, okay. <laughs> but really, you know, because seeing something done fabulously is always invigorating. You yes. do your best, you boogie down, but when you see somebody really flip into amazing things with partners in love or uh, or hostility, whatever the emotion is, um, you know, it takes you to a different level, and I think I—I I actually think the more people are dancing, that's what I think. The more they're dancing, the more they can relate to the people dancing. I think the idea that you have to get the story or the meaning um, can take a uh, can take a back seat a little bit to the uh, visceral joy of moving and seeing somebody move beautifully.
1: And, and I sort of liken it also to going to a museum where you. You don't, I mean, you go and look at the paintings and the images and everybody gets something. I mean, there'll be like maybe 10 pictures you don't get anything out of, but then there's that one where you just go, oh my God.
0: I I think that's absolutely right. I I know that um, I'm a big fan of the written word. Actually, I'm a major reader, but when I go to a concert, I am struck by the moments. How did they do that? That was incredible. And there's something about the extraordinary capacity of a human being in a moment that's not unlike seeing that painting that does it for you. And, you know, you've seen, you've walked down the halls, your feet are sore, the floor is marble, um, and then suddenly it happens to you. You see a painting that just pulls you over. And I think it's the same way with moves. You don't have to love the whole thing. You can be there, you can be enjoying it, and let that moment happen to you. And I think it does. People, actually, people tell me, what about that move where he had his leg out and she jumped over the top? They remember some moment, it was like the, you know, the catch in <laughs> in a baseball game. And right. I, you know, I think those are important reasons and ways that people can get into the form.
1: Now, you've choreographed uh, like- Millions what? of pieces. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say 85, because that's what I, I, I had on the bio for you, but- um, when you choreograph a work, do you step into it thinking, "This is what I want to impart on pe- to people," or how do you, how do you approach it? I
0: I think I don't I don't ever think that it, I would be a writer in that case if I wanted to tell you something. I I think I have some questions that I ask. What it would what what would it feel like if we never left the floor in this piece, or if we never came down for more than a second then to spring off. And then I see, I, I, I actually find the metaphor of meaning after often, not always true, um, after the piece begins to take shape, I realize that it's about um, the uh, ephemeral nature of, of love. Or so, Do you know what I mean? I see something in what's happening on the floor and, and it, not necessarily, what I had I had in mind. I, I don't think I'm very programmatic, though. So in in recent years, when the, the political exigencies of our world have sort of pressed down, um, I have I have done some more asking questions around issues, not how I'm going to tell you how to feel about it. But um, when I did a piece, let's take an early one, on I think it was I don't know how long ago it was, but it was on global warming, and but the idea I had was that I would have. Uh, 10 blocks of ice hanging over the stage, we'd just be going on normally in our dancing life, and and the water would, con- would continue to um, drip down because of the, the stage. So by the time I was done with that piece, I had in my mind, oh, that woman, she's Cassandra. And the rest of them are not paying attention. Now, this was a long time ago, this piece. Um, I wish I had it up today. But, yeah. but in other words, the meaning accumulates um, from the idea of what questions I'm asking. So that means there's lots of room for the audience to come up with a particular story, um, but the question I'm asking maybe may direct you. If you see water dropping down the stage, it, it kind of you get you might get an idea that I'm thinking about ice melting.
1: Right.
0: You know, you wouldn't need a program note for that.
1: <laughs> I, I'm really curious as far as like the the marriage of music and dance because I remember as a child, you know choreographing a routine to like a Beatles song in my house and it was like I I had the music and then I was like playing around but for somebody who has like you say you you have a feeling or you want to impart something or maybe not just you have these an idea just say idea yeah just an idea how do you find the music to go with that
0: well I, I would say um that the music also comes along my strategy is usually the following I come up with the question I wanna ask uh, physically or intellectually or emotionally. And then I'll bring in 10 or 15 CDs um, and I'll do the different things that we're doing to the different music. At some point something will resonate and i say, oh, we're gonna go here. Of course, this is different if I'm having a piece written for it and I I have lots of pieces where uh, I have composers work with me but it's the same kind of slightly a disconnected process and I see how they marry. An interesting thing happens when you use a recorded piece of music, Well, also with the commission, um, they'll work separately or the music will be written, I'll be working separately. When I put it together, the relationship uh, often highlights transitions that I didn't think were important. So just by chance. So the music crescendos at a certain point, and I wasn't thinking of a crescendo there, but suddenly you see that little um, subtle piece of movement as very important. So there's a wonderful collaborative thing that goes on. And I love the fact that you don't know where you don't know where that's gonna be. You don't know what the music is gonna give you or focus your eye or excite you um, about the dance until you put them together. It's a little bit of the electricity of a a blind date.
1: I have to say that's so interesting because I, I I always from for a novice and somebody who knows not really nothing about dance i always thought it was like oh here's a piece of music that tells a story or sh- tells shares an idea that i have and this is how i'm going to put it together yeah but, but
0: i don't do that i think some people do dance to the music right um i i think uh, mark morris for instance choreographs uh, he knows the music very well he reads the sheet music i think he choreographs to it I'm more interested in the felicity of the uh, and the chemistry of what happens when they come together. And then I'll adjust a little. If it's a uh, commission, he will adjust or she will adjust their music a little too. Um, I might say, oh, this doesn't work well here, so stretch it out, take much longer doing this passage so that you don't get to the high point until they do. But basically, I think the thrill, after you've been choreographing for 50 years, I mean, you're looking for a few thrills, <laughs> um, it c- comes comes with that the felicity of the relationship.
1: And um, another question I have is <clears throat> trying to explain dance to somebody who doesn't know like or even in a, in a season brochure. Yeah, you have modern tap, hip hop, ballet, ballroom, whatever. Salsa. Yeah.
0: Afro-Cuban, yes.
1: How how are we supposed to tell people what, like... What to expect? Yeah, it's like...
0: I think it's hard. I I mean, we talk about uh, our company being classically trained and uh, with a contemporary sensibility. Uh, I mean, I, I think actually when I'm just talking to people, I say, well, we're classically trained, but I was playing baseball at the age of five. So just put those together, uh, because I think that's, that, so there's kind of a visceral presence in, um, in the muscles. Sports are a big thing, I think, uh, that affected my interest in physicality. But I was, I was in ballet when I was three, so it makes sense that those two things kind of wove together.
1: Yeah, but again, and it's people,
0: like- And people understand both ballet and they understand sports. So those are good reference points. You know whether they actually get an idea of what they're going to see—that's hard to say. And one good thing these days, though, is you can say, "Check them out on the web." Yeah. Get yourself true. a preview.
1: Yeah, that because I always—it's—it's it's like if I tell my wife, I said, "Okay, well, we're going to go check out the dance company to see." if I want to book them, and she goes, "What kind of dance is it?" And I said, "Do I have to?" to? <laughs> <laughs> that too. But it's—it's—it's it's, it's like, oh, it's a—it's a modern dance company. Oh, or it's a jet, it's a tap company. Oh, okay, well, then. Tap you get. That I understand, ballet I understand, modern.
0: Well, it's so big. Modern is it just too big of a term to have any meaning, except that people do think of early modern dance um, that is, uh, it, it is off-putting I think for many people because it's uh, a little bit earnest. Well,
1: yeah. It, But I think you're right. I think they just don't understand what they're going to see. And some are just like, just blow you out of the water. And then there's some, not so much. And it's, it's weird because you can have two different dance companies, maybe of the same caliber or, you know, they think they are. (laughs) and (laughs) And then you go see them and one you walk away with, oh my God, that was amazing. And one you walk away with, I just don't get it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's true with piece of music too, right? I mean, even in somebody somebody's work that you love, you can say, "Alexa, next." Yeah, right. Right? I mean, you know, that's the that's the nature of the art. Oh, there goes my phone. Sorry.
1: <laughs> that's um,
0: but uh, but I think that it's like with people, uh, you know, there's chemistry. Some things just speak to you, and some things don't. And I, I, I think you know we don't stop meeting people because everybody doesn't turn out to be our heart's desire.
1: Yeah. Well, it, and it's interesting because, I mean, you, again, I saw you, you, I've seen your your work and it's, to me, it's blown me away. There's a couple of groups that I've been introduced to that I really, really enjoy. And then there's, I mean, and even some of the big companies, I, I watch their stuff and I can appreciate it, but it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. It's like Alvin Ailey, beautiful company, amazing group. I was like, okay, that's good, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't get anything from it.
0: I, you know, I, I, I totally feel that way. Um, and, and my, my goal to myself is always come away with some gem, no matter how you feel about the whole. I just want to say, uh, so that I'm looking. I, I, I said to my husband sometimes. Sometimes I think I'm a garbage picker. I just find the little thing that I like. But, uh, but for me, for instance, I'm not wild about work that is. Heavily presentational that says, love me, love me, love me. That kind of makes me back off. Now, some people love, love that. And, you know, it's a taste. Um, and Alan Ailey often sells it. And so if that's not your inclination, it's not as powerful to you. Uh, a more subtle thing is, uh, moves me more. I like to have, I like work that um, makes me want to lean in. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what moved me. I also like physically dynamic work, which certainly is Ailey, but I like a physical dynamism that comes somehow that has some real people in it. Um, that And that was when I left ballet, when I thought, oh, these people don't seem real to me. And I wanted to do fantastic dancing that seemed like real people were doing it. So that's what I respond to.
1: Well, and it's, I guess that's, to me, that's... Speaks to the arts in general is that an artist, whether it's a dancer, singer, actor, whatever, has to have a sense of authenticity. Yeah. And when they're on stage dancing, if if it's coming from an authentic place, then it's people buy it, buy into it. Whereas, opposed to if it's just like, okay, I'm doing, you know, dance, step, dance step, Steps. step, yeah, then it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything.
0: Well, you know, there also there's all sorts of things like I think if you have a dramatic part in a piece that you, sometimes I feel it's not earned. How, how did you get to that? You know, I don't believe that guy would do that or that woman would do that. Uh, you know, so there's a kind of a, a narrative that has to be persuasive to me and then I can go. Um, and some people don't need that. I mean, some people just, the beauty of uh, seeing capability on the stage, prowess, it's enough. Yeah. The good news is there are lots of things out there and lots of different people seeing them. Um, I think it is hard at a time when we don't um we don't have dance in the schools. We don't have a, a a generation that's raised looking at this form which has lots of abstraction in it, and it's not our it's not our comfort place these days, I'd say. So that's a challenge. But um but I think honestly, I think there may, we may be at a moment of change.
1: Well, I'm hoping. I mean it it's the arts and schools in general have been cut so drastically. It's like, I
0: know, it's terrible.
1: Yeah. Um, so, one of the things the foundation does besides do pre- presentations is we like to mentor and encourage young and upcoming artists. We have a number of different things that we do to help mentor and, and I guess, encourage. What words of wisdom would you impart to a young dancer who's like, I really want to go out there and be a dancer?
0: Well, I also mentor lots of people and we have, we have several programs. So we have a lot in common that, uh, several programs that help, uh, people move along in their career. Um, and one of the things that I have, uh, is I have a program that we call the sandbox that, um, assigns, uh, two, um, two choreographers or two artists to, an, uh, an up and coming, uh, dancer, dance maker. And they just give them feedback. And feedback is really important. And if you, if you have a, a small group of people who, can, who you trust, um, that can make a big difference in how you develop. So for one thing, you need to develop some tough skin. You need to be able to hear, this is really too long, and not feel, but it was my favorite part. No, throw away your darlings, as we say. Yes. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I, I would say my main um, advice is make work. Do it in your, do it in your kitchen, do it with five people at the church basement, just do it. Um, because that, that you'll really find out how deep your appetite runs. And that's, that is the whole thing. I mean, when I think of we're going on 50 years now, um, there were times when, you know, I had our money in a paper bag and, um, but I liked doing it. So I didn't stop. So I say, carry on, stay in the room.
1: Yeah. Um I'm curious. To me, it's it's like for musicians, it's easy. You get an instrument, you learn the instrument, you play it, and you have you, you're making your art. For a dancer who may have a, an idea for like a larger group, like
0: twenty people,
1: yeah, yeah. How how that seems a little more like creating a production, which isn't like something you can do in your basement. How how. Would but, you know,
0: I, at the beginning, I did, um, I did pieces outside, I got my friends. And we would go in parking lot or out in a field. I mean, you have to figure out a way to do that. If your idea is that you want to work with the capacity that looks like the New York City ballet, it's probably not going to happen uh, in the first, you know, two months of your desire. Um, but I think you have to learn your craft. And the only way you do that is by trying. And, you know, people ask their friends from uh, technique class to join them. Um, I see it all the time. In our school at the moment, we have about 2000 students a week. So people are always saying, oh, I, I'm gonna go ask that person if they would like to work with me, and and they do. And it's, a, it's on a um, volunteer basis. You know, it's definitely young people working with young people, but I think that's a good way to go. Oh, For sure. one thing, it doesn't, um, it doesn't establish uh, an expectation that you'll be better than you can be. And I think that's an important thing too. Don't get too big too fast because you got to learn.
1: Now, I'm curious, because you, you mentioned earlier about how you played sports and you, and you danced starting at age three. How What was your journey like? I mean, because I, you're from New York, right? Or is that what you're I'm from you're
0: Connecticut. Going? Yeah. But I studied in New York. I mean, my first serious my first classes were with my mom who was a dancer that's why i could start when i was three who you know it's a babysitting situation um but but by the time i was eight i was uh i was commuting into new york to study at the school of american ballet um those were the days when you would let your eight-year-old get on the train and go into new york those days are over um anyway and then when i uh, i went away to school and uh, as a junior in high school and at the school I went to in Northfield, they had a modern dance program. So then I, then I kind of understood what it, what it meant to invent your own language, because of course I had been dealing in a received language all those years in ballet. And that was exciting to me. So after that, then I, I kind of kept them both going. That's a short story.
1: But well, I, how did you end up in San Francisco?
0: Well, um, okay. So, so then I, um, after, after I went to, I went to Oberlin college and then I moved to New York and, um, when I was in New York, I got a job at Oberlin as a sabbatical replacement. So I went back to Oberlin and, um, started the company at Oberlin. So that was the genesis of ODC. Um, they had fabulous spaces and a lot of support for me as a faculty member and a lot of talented students who were very smart. And in those days, I didn't really much care about technique. I had given up you know, the way you do at diff- different parts of your life. I thought uh, ballet technique was just so five minutes ago, and we need to be much more down on earth and uh, postmodern sensibility. Um, and then um, the uh, I had, had gone through a divorce when I was at Oberlin. And the guy I was interested in lived in San Francisco. This is this is the story I he I don't usually tell, right? I like to think it's all me, but it wasn't. Uh, so on our on my sabbatical, I moved out here, and and uh, and that was that. That was great. It, it was also time to get away from a very small town. I mean Oberlin was fantastic, and I I worked with a lot of composers there at the conservatory. I I learned an enormous amount. I learned more than I taught. I'd say. Um, But uh, so, but I was ready for a bigger city and uh, San Francisco was the one.
1: And does, is ODC an acronym for something or?
0: Oberlin Dance Company. Uh, Yes. It actually was Oberlin Dance Collective. We were from the sixties. It evolved, but it was, but actually it evolved, but I would say that, uh, the whole spirit of the company still has a lot of those collective roots apparent. I think there's a lot of collaboration at various levels that doesn't necessarily exist in, say, an Alvin Ailey company.
1: And do you... Uh, I, as a presenter, I, I go to the, all the conferences and I there's a, an enormous amount of dance companies out there. Do you think it's an overcrowded field at this point?
0: Uh, I don't think there's ever such a thing as overcrowded field because I think the more seed you sow, the more grows. Um, I think it makes it hard to find what you like. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of noise. But, you know, you could say the same thing about science. Are we having too many things uh, investigated? No. You know, just give us one vaccine, okay? But they're trying all over the place. You know, I think that in general, the more the more the merrier. And it's one of the reasons we have a lot of uh, mentoring programs. Uh, and most of them aren't, don't show initial promise particularly. But some of those will find it. Uh, but you got to have a lot to start with, I think.
1: Yeah. And well, you don't
0: know, at the beginning, you know, a, a young company, you don't know who's really going to uh, find an amazing voice. Sometimes you do, but not not regularly, I think.
1: Well, it's just, it's interesting to see that there, there are so many creators of dance. And it's like, I always every now and again i try to present it and i g- always get you know you get pushed I'm, back i do and it's it's like i i understand it kind of but i don't it's like you got to keep it's like you can't just present a dance company and say okay well it didn't work i'm not going to do it anymore you got to keep trying or at least have some sort of consistency in your programming but it's i don't know it's it's always tough for me because i like i said i like uh-huh. I I like to present it, I just don't, it's hard to find that audience.
0: I I do think that that that's one of the reasons we are pretty serious about community activities around uh, presentation. Because I do think when we do, when we create with the community or whatever the outreach activity is, and we try to focus it on creativity rather than technique, because that actually helps people see other things too, not just us. Right. I mean, I think it's kind of a long-range educational strategy. I, I also think there are things um, that we can do for our audiences through the internet. Um, I had the same challenge, incidentally, because we have a theater and we present, you know, six, eight things a year that's our total presents and others are co-presents. And San Francisco, you know, they're, they're, they're not rushing to see things the way they did when I lived in New York. Um, so we have, we have the same deal. How do you cultivate the, uh, curiosity and the appetite, uh, for trying something that they don't know what it's going to be? Um, so we're, we're all struggling with that one, I think.
1: Well, and I think part of the, it's, it was so funny cause somebody was asking me just the other day out of this whole COVID thing, what do I think is, is there a bright spot? And I was like, my bright spot is I'm hoping that people get so sick of looking at their screens that they're gonna to wanna to go out and connect with people and see things live again.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, and I think, as you know, when you see something live, oh my God, that really is a different thing, even with music, which people think is gonna be more the same. Um, so I hope that is one of the upsides. And I do think people will wanna to be together again. Of course, the real question is, when will that happen? Yeah. I mean, uh, the appetite will be there, but the fear will be too, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's very true. Well, we just gotta keep hoping and gotta keep going. I see I see light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how long the tunnel is.
0: Well, I I think that's how we all feel. And you know, we're all trying to make plans. Yeah. Um, you know, plan next season. Hmm. Should we plan to have one in every five seats? I mean, you know, it's uh it's hard. Um, but we're all doing that. And of course we're also thinking about okay, could we make a peace with the community? on the web, could we all get on this little uh, Zoom format and come up with material and, and interpret it different way. So I, I think the one upside may be that we figure out different ways of communicating that will help us through these dark days, yeah. that include art.
1: Well, and I think there's a lot of people doing that now. It's like, you know, there's everybody, uh, so many artists are streaming their content, you know, doing live performances from their house or the living room or whatever. Yeah. I think. And what, I, what I'm really trying to, what I'm really sensing is that art is going to get us through this thing because we're all looking to the artist, to, you know, to make us feel better. Once it's all over, hopefully that they'll remember that. And, and, well,
0: we hope we get a few habits going, huh? Yes. Uh, for instance, the kids. So we have a kid's curriculum and we have 87 classes a week for young people. Well, now we're, we're putting it online and we're getting people, all sorts of people, the sisters and brothers of the people who are taking it. And so the exposure may have some salutary impact. It may be the art in the schools that we lost. So I'd like to look at the bright side.
1: Yeah. Well, I think at this point, that's what we have to do. We just have to keep looking at the bright side. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. If for those people who are interested in checking out your school, your your theater, your your dance. Can they just go to your website, the ODC yes. website? Yep. Please do. Yes. And, I encourage you. and
0: and think that one day you will see us in the flesh.
1: Yes. Well do you have do you I guess I, I was going to say do you have any shows coming up in LA, but who knows? I mean Who knows?
0: Yeah. We had to cancel of course we had to cancel all of our spring touring and we canceled our spring season, our our premiere season. Oh, so this was good. Our, our season included a piece called Up for Air, de Decameron. And Decameron is the story that was written by Boccaccio in the 14th century about 10 young strangers who got together and fled Florence because of the plague. Yes. And uh, so our piece was canceled about the plague because of the plague. But the, the, the setup for the Decameron is that they spent the time, they passed the time by telling stories to each other, uh, erotic, exotic, funny, a tales of love so that's kind of what our piece is it's the erotic exotic tales of love but i but um we were supposed to present it in the spring yes well we didn't uh, so we, we now think we may present it in the summer which may also not be possible um so we'll see well, but we I'm, like I... we like to plan as if it was going to be possible
1: yes well i think we're doing the same we're, we're planning hoping that we've already canceled our big june um fundraiser Now we're looking at July with our fingers crossed, and I already have my finger on the delete button just in case.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brenda. I certainly do appreciate it.
0: Well, it's fun talking to you, Chris, and um, let's hope.
1: Yes, fingers crossed.
0: Okay. take care.
1: You too.